1: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
2: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Cashman, and this is our latest look at Chicago White Sox. I'm joined by Scott Merkin. And Merk, obviously, the baseball community has been struck with uh, yet another devastating blow here this week with the death of Giordano Ventura uh, coming on the heels of the loss of Jose Fernandez. And, of course, being in the American League Central, you've seen quite a bit of Ventura. Just want to get your thoughts on that tragedy.
0: Yeah, just an electric talent and really kind of an electric competitor. You know, the interesting about Ventura is that you would see him go five or six innings where he'd give up like one hit and strike out ten, and then maybe give up four or five runs in the seventh. And that's I think just the the development of a young pitcher. But man, he was he was a great pitcher. And you know, there was a big issue, of course, a couple of years ago with the White Sox, which led to a bench-clearing brawl where he said something to Eaton running to first, and Eaton said something to him. And I think it's just it was just two intense competitors kind of letting it out early in the season. I I will tell you that people I know, you know, both a few players and the media cover love the kid that just thought he was a great young man and great for the team and, you know, made important contributions on and off the field. And it's just a tragedy, really. I mean, and to have both him and Andy Marte, who I've seen play a little bit as well, both pass away in the same day coming on the heels of Jose Fernandez, just, just a real tragedy. I mean, at any age, but especially at such such young age, it really, you know, really hits home and is, is, it's painful. It's painful for organization. It's painful for the whole baseball world, and just people who knew him in general.
2: Yeah, nothing really lights up the imagination quite like a, a young kid who can throw over 100. Uh, always uh, is it, going to just electrify the mind.
0: So it's just a, a sad loss. Sad loss for the Royals. And our hearts go out to them. Uh,
2: yeah, there was I, where... I would say
0: there were some games there were some games I saw him pitch against the Sox where you thought. You know, if he's not there right now, this young man has a chance to be one of the best pitchers in baseball once he, you know, kind of gets it more at the big league level because yeah. his stuff was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw, you know,
2: in the World Series in 2014, he was out staying. Right. So. Some good news on the White Sox front. Uh, Tim Raines got into the hall last week, as we thought he might. Uh, we didn't really talk about uh, Tim Raines last week because we recorded before the announcement was made. But uh, now that it's official. Uh, and Reigns is going in the Hall of Fame alongside Jeff Bagwell and Ivan Rodriguez. Um, You know, his White Sox career, uh, we we mentally associate him with the Expos, of course, and I would stand to guess that uh, that will be the cap he'll be adorning on his his plaque in uh, Cooperstown, but um, important member of the White Sox when they won the division uh, in
0: 1993
2: and on that 2005 World Series Club. He was a coach on that
0: staff. Yeah, that's where I knew Tim Moore from. Was the uh, I, I didn't cover him as a player, but I knew him more from being the I believe it was uh, first base and base running coach. With some work with the outfielders in 05 and then bench coach in '06, and then he was it was uh, gone from the organization after that. But really nice guy, knowledgeable guy. You know, I mean, you know, he, he worked with Scott Podsednik and Brian Anderson and Aaron Rowan and all those guys in the 0- 05 team that had such tremendous defense and they had such a you know great base running team overall. Now again, there's a lot of skilled guys on that team. But it doesn't help, doesn't hurt when you have a guy who's got 808 stolen bases. I believe that's his total, you know, instructing you. I, I talked to Kenny Williams about him a little bit, the White Sox executive vice president, who knew him as a player and as a coach. And he just said just, you know, uh, we use that word electric talent with your Donald Ventura, but same with Reigns, that he was just dominant. He's as good as any, you know, him and Ricky Henderson kind of set the tone for leadoff hitters. And, and Reigns could, you know, turn on the ball too, and, and just like Ricky Henderson could and show a little power too. So it's great. You know, he, he was a, a difference maker and belonged in the Hall of Fame, and it's good that he got there in his final ballot. And now another guy who's known more for his contributions in Cleveland but also made some great contributions in Chicago and is now working in the front office for the White Sox, Mr. Jim Tomey, will be on the ballot next year. So it could be two years in a row with a, a somewhat of a Sox connect, White Sox connection having Hall of Famers. Yeah, that's great. I was just looking
2: this up, Merck, and uh, uh, Yvonne Calderon and Barry Jones, that's who the White yes. Sox gave up to acquire. Uh, uh, and Calderon did have an all-star season the following year, but I, I still think the White Sox fared pretty well in that particular spot. It, it was a 5 so, uh,
0: Five-player trade. I can't remember. I think Mario Brito was the player to be named later. Is one of the guys the Sacks got That's exactly right. And I can't and, think of the uh, other that guy that got with him.
2: Raines and uh, Jeff Carter was the other Jeff player. Acquired, there we go. The immortal Jeff Carter.
0: But I think <laughs> Rains, Jones, and uh, Calderon were the main guys in that trade. And then right. you know Raines stayed as a free agent for a couple more years with the Sacks. I believe he played five overall. But yeah, he made a he made a solid contribution. Was a big part of that '93 and the '94 team. And then a coach on the, you know, arguably the greatest moment in, you know, team history in 2005. Uh, you mentioned talking to Kenny Williams about him, and you talked with Kenny
2: Williams about the Hall of Fame in general. He had some interesting thoughts. Uh, I know it'll rub some people the wrong way, maybe a lot of people the wrong way, the uh, the small haulers uh, among us. But uh, Kenny Williams is more of a, a
0: big Hall of Fame guy. Explain uh, his thoughts on the, on Kuka. yeah, you know, I mean, you, you can look at the article that I did, and it basically, you know, talked about what he said not agreeing or disagreeing, but I would tend to maybe agree with him a little more. On what he's saying is that, you know, he believes that the NBA and the NFL honors the, you know, exceptional players, but not just the top of their class, greatest of all time, you know, only the elite few. He says he thinks it's a hall for the people and they should be able to celebrate their, you know, their favorites that contributed so much to an organization. And I was the one who happened to bring up Paul Canerco because Paul Canerco will be on the ballot in 2020 and Canerco kind of, you know, uh, even I remember Paul Knerko was asked about this when he, when he played, and Canerco is infinitely honest about himself over the years, and he said he did not think he was a Hall of Famer, kind of laughed at the, the notion, but the guy hit, what, 439 home runs, and Kenny Williams laughed at that point and said, you know how hard it is to hit 439 home runs. He said, "I you know, I was out there. I know what it takes to do that, and big partner, 05 World Series team, the captain of that team, and the, you know just, just a, a great contributor overall. Now, I know people have brought up that maybe his war isn't at what Hall of Fame level people say overall. But, I, you know, I think war can, I can take or leave that number sometimes. I think sometimes mm-hmm. you know what the player is about. And, you know, I, I think Ken Williams used Canerco and he used Jack Morris and Fred McGriff, and there's one other player he mentioned that I'm kind of blanking on right now, but he, he mentioned all these guys. Well, Trevor Hoffman he mentioned, too, is all these guys who were, you know, Trevor Hoffman maybe was a cut above in terms of elite because he's went second all-time in saves. But all these guys who were key contributors to their team, you know, big numbers, maybe not the greatest numbers at their position of all time in terms of, you know, top two or three, but still guys who made a difference, a huge difference in franchise history, and they should be in the Hall of Fame as well. He said, you know, what's wrong with celebrating that aspect of the game and letting these very, very good players in who, if you ask, he made a point of saying, if you ask the players who went against them, they would say, you know, they belong. They know that kind of level of play. So it's interesting, interesting thoughts on his part.
2: Yeah, I don't know where you draw the line statistically, but I'm,
0: I for one am in favor of a
2: a larger Hall of Fame. And I think it's great to see uh, the last, I think it's like 10 guys in the last three years uh, from the Baseball Writers Association have been voted in. And that's been a a drastic upturn from what we'd seen previously. You know, four years ago, they they famously voted nobody in uh, despite a, a really loaded ballot. Um, and, and they've been really stingy, uh, and, and it, that's been their nature in general. So the, the recent developments have been encouraging, and, uh, and without getting the whole the, the, the whole uh, PED drama. But but just generally speaking, I, I do think sometimes uh, the the vote has been taken maybe a little too seriously, um, because you're right. Uh, in other sports, it's you know not quite as uh, stringent a, a standard, and I think right. even in the baseball Hall of Fame's history, it hasn't been quite as stringent a standard as, as we have seen uh, in, in more recent decades. So.
0: Well, he, he um, used so, that word, you, you know, he used the word stringent in talking about it. and He also joked that, yeah. you know, if he were in charge, you he'd, he'd have to probably build another wing to the Hall of Fame because, you know, <laughs> he's letting a, a lot more people in. But, you know, I, I think I, I covered the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, weekend when Frank Thomas went in a couple of years ago. And really one of the more memorable experiences I've had, and, you know, I'll just focus on the, the years I've worked for MLB.com that's 15 years just to see the people out there just really celebrating baseball and just enjoying every minute of it and all the old Hall of Famers there and you know, Kenny Williams made a point also that it's you can't compare the late eighteen hundreds to even the nineteen twenties to the nineteen forties, let alone to the quote unquote, as you mentioned, the steroid era or, you know, what's going on now. So, you know, I think it's it's kinda hard to that's why it's kinda hard to judge in uniformity of statistics where I think he's trying to make the call for just, you know, players who maybe not are you know have the top of the line stats, but very, very good players who belong in there as well, So Mark, I
2: can't believe we've gotten this deep into this podcast without mentioning the name Jose Quintana yet. That seems like a new record for us uh, for the off season. Uh, what is the latest, if there is any latest
0: news on Jose Guitana and that trade market? Well, he is scheduled and on a couple panels at SoxFest. So, you know, that is, uh, as we're taping this, it, it will be the Friday after we tape this, which is the 27th. So I expect him to be there. I, I would not now be surprised, this, just me speaking, just from the little information that I've heard here and there over the last week or so, that if he's not the opening day starter for the White Sox. Now, of course, that can change if a contender is, you know, going through spring training and some sort of injury happens, or they suddenly realize, you know what, we need that extra starter in the rotation. He's not, he's certainly not an extra starter, but we need another good starter in the rotation. You know, we were balking at that fourth player. Let's go back and give in on that. and Let's make the trade. But aside from that, it just sounds like, you know, things have been discussed and things have not happened. And again, this is a guy who is certainly not an old pitcher and you know, doesn't have a ton of innings on his arm, a ton of pitches on his arm. You still got four years with options left. They have control over him through 2020. So, you know, if, if quote unquote, the worst thing that happens is you keep an ace and a great kid like Jose Quintana. Well, you know, it's not exactly hurting the rebuilding cause in that case. Yeah. I've said that all along, you know, hold out for
2: whatever your price is and hold out until that price is met. Otherwise it's not a terrible thing to take him into the season and, and maybe even end up building around him. Who knows? We'll see. But, uh, I want to thank uh, Scott Merkin for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. It's been the latest look at the White Sox,
1: MLB.com extras.